Neither the United States of America nor the world community of nations can tolerate deliberate deception. But I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. I did not trade arms for hostages. Welcome to Revealed, putting public records in the public eye. I'm your host, Hannah Markley, and I'm here to tell the stories that we found out the hard way through public records and FOIA requests. This week, I'm talking to Joe Kunzler. I really like Joe because he's not a reporter, he's not a politician, he's just an average guy who has above average investment in making his community better. Whether that means trying to make the buses and trains that he uses around the public transit corridors a little bit safer, a little bit more on time, or whether that means protecting jobs in his local community by protecting the Air Force Base that's nearby, Joe really does commit to trying to help everyone he sees. He describes himself as an activist. I'm afraid so. You know, I'm more of a data-based activist, if I may use self-label. You know, I believe in going with data and not just, I love jets, I take public transit, or I want my community to be safe. To make sure he has the right data, Joe uses a lot of public records requests. Remember what I was what I became interested in, whether it was outlying food coupville on Whidbey and supporting the Navy or public transportation. You know, public records requests are just part of my activism. I, I want to speak from data, not emotion. You know, because my dad runs sketchriverhistory.com and you know, I just started filing, you know, and then on top of it in high school, I did a senior report on the state ferry system and the fast ferry fiasco we had between Seattle and Bremerton. Um, and that's a long tangent, but, you know, I just started filing them, and, you know, and then, um, you know, I always have a special place in my heart for Hedger Brook, PhD. They call her Newsbrook, and she's a top gun because she got over 150 British politicians to quit, and we trained her here in Washington. So I always wanted to be that top gun. Recently, Joe made a public records request that uncovered some important information, and it may not lead to 150 politicians quitting, but it did tell us something new. Usually, when you make a public records request, you're looking for certain information. What did Governor so-and-so know when she decided to veto that law? Or how many arrests did Officer this and that make last year? Sometimes what you get instead is a shocking lack of information. To me, this might actually be scarier than cover-ups. Sometimes we discover that the government isn't collecting information you're sure that they should be able to use to make good choices. And this is what Joe uncovered a few months ago. It's the fall of 2021, where community transit leaders are trying to get a mandate through to get everyone vaccinated to help dampen the virus. Everyone who works at the agency, planners, public records officers, lawyers, everybody. Before we move forward, Community Transit is a state-created company, right? Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's in RCW, State Revised Code, but it was authorized by the voters of Snohomish County to provide transit to most of Snohomish County. Now, this is where things get really in the weeds and you may want to hit the clip button. Joe was right. Basically, community transit is the public transport agency that affects his life. 
And as a public agency, they have records that should be public. So he did what he does when he has something he wants to know. He made a public records request. Do you have the data of who's infected without the vaccine and who's infected with it? Because it might get this one person, this one highly intelligent employee to get the vaccine. I have a few contacts who work there, one of whom is vaccine hesitant. I'd rather not say who, because hopefully by the time it is recording, that individual has made the right choice to get the vax. But So you, you wrote your request and submitted it through the portal. Do you know who received it at Community Transit? The, the attorney got assigned it to make sure no names were released, and I specifically requested no names. I made it clear. I'm not trying to play games here. I'm trying to make sure that you know, we get the data of how many vaccinated versus how many unvaccinated have been infected at community transit. What Joe is referring to here is a common concern in public records requests about employee information. Public employees are accountable to the public through public records requests, but they're also people themselves with privacy interests, especially when it relates to things like health data. So there is a concern that releasing too much employee information might lead to bad consequences. But as Joe pointed out, he was really just looking for the statistical information so that he could try to convince one person to get vaccinated. I realized Thanksgiving holidays coming up, the staff are going, we're going to have to work through the Thanksgiving holiday. And so I'm struggling with it. I'm like, this is all for one person. And I'm going to be sending people to be working for the Thanksgiving holiday to maybe get one person, that agency vaccinated. This one was a tough call because I wanted to make sure that every effort was made to get every employee, every human vaccinated. What day is that? November 14th. So I made the call. And you submitted the request. And I, and I told them, I told them the process. Of, um, and what happens is they're going through to making sure there's no names and nothing. And then the attorney, Matt, gets back to me. Good guy. Nice guy. You know, he gets, sends me an email on November 30th. And politely tells me that uh, there are no community transit documents responsive to this request. They had no tracking of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And what I find so frustrating, so disheartening, is that the incident response team, which is separate from public disclosure, their job and incident response is to deal with things like pandemics and sadly crashes and other tra likely tragedies. But they didn't track this key staff. And if I had just known that they weren't tracking it, I wouldn't have had to send Matt, Rachel, and the rest of the team to work on a Thanksgiving holiday. And Joe was frustrated by this lack of information, but he was also frustrated by the lack of regard that it showed for people that he cared about. This is a theme that has come up in other ways in his activism as well. 
When we come back, we'll talk about another area that Joe has used public records to try to preserve jobs and safe flight patterns. We should know that what we're being told with the soundbite journalism we're getting matches up with the facts. Hey, y'all. I hope you're enjoying the show. I got involved with Open Records because of my time on the board with the Washington Coalition for Open Government. WashCog is an incredible organization. They only have one employee and a board of really active volunteers. If you could help support the mission of Washington Coalition for Open Government, I would really appreciate it. See a link in the podcast notes. Average guy Joe Kunzler uses public records to try to make his community better on a regular basis. One way that he's done that is through the community transit requests we discussed before the break. But another way is through trying to preserve jobs and safe practices at a local employer in his area. This employer happens to be the Navy. They use outlying field Coopville, an empty field near his home, to train for particular types of takeoffs and landings that occur on aircraft carriers. These are really difficult landings, and they're also really hard to train for because the flight patterns have to be very specific and ambient light and things like that make it unlike the real thing that the pilots are trying to prepare to do well. It's not like we can do this training at Boeing Field or Payne Field. You have to have limited amount of light, atmospheric lighting near the airport, and you have to apply a very precise pattern. Outlying Field Coopville has been found by naval aviators time and again over the decades to be one of the top facilities for that. So when a local activist group tried to stop the Outlying Field Coopville from being used as a practice location, Joe decided it was time to get involved again. I've been covering the Growlers since 2002. I was a student reporter at the Skagit Valley College Cardinal and wrote one of the first, you know, newspaper stories on it when it was coming here. And nobody at the time in 2002, and this was during the height of the war on terror, nobody at the time thought about, you know, jet noise. And, um, you know, how times have changed from 2002 to 2020, almost 20. We're recording this in December of 21, but I suspect this will play in 2020, February of 2022, which would be the 20 year anniversary. And wow, how times have changed. Joe overestimated my speed a little bit, but I was close. Basically, what was going on was, you know, back in 2012, people didn't like the, the, the new jets, the growlers. They have a lower frequency sound that penetrates walls versus the prower, the four previous jet, which was more higher frequency. It doesn't go through the walls so much. And the lobby group, citizens for, of EB's Reserve, had said, oh, we're not against the Navy. Oh, we're, we're, we, we just want quieter jets, or we don't think outlying fields the right site. In actuality, the leader of that group at the time, Ken Picard, was sending emails bashing the Navy's entire naval base presence. So how did you find out about Ken Picard? Can you walk me through that process? These EA-18G growlers, they have to come in, they have to hit a very precise spot on a moving aircraft carrier, and sometimes they have to do it in the pitch black and dark. So they have to practice again and again and again 
at Olaf Coopville, what was proposed was basically, you know, allow the jets to train at outlying field Coopville. It's a naval outlying field where the jets bounce. And that was subject to public response. How did the public know about it in the first place? The, the Navy EIS, that's naval, in, you know, actually there's a Navy environmental assessment. And it wasn't well advertised back in 2012. So when the Navy announced that they were intending to start practicing growler landings at this outlying field, what was the um, initial response by the community? Many opposed it, opposed more, you know, well, it depends when you want to say initial. 2005, the Navy said, oh, we're going to do less bounces with this jet and it's a little quieter. That isn't what happened. And by 2012, the Navy said, we need more bounces and the jets were perceived to be louder. They're about the same volume, but different pitch, like I explained, low versus high frequency. So, you know, there's a huge mass launch, what I call affectionately a mass launch of concerned citizens to the county commissioners, things were in the paper. So naturally you filed a public records request, right? Yeah, I filed a public records request over email to the county commissioner's clerk saying I want all emails on all of the Coopville for a certain time frame. The county commissioner's clerk emailed me back um, the, you know, all the records and I sat down and went through them with, and some of the emails sent were just hor- horrendous by the, by the then leader, Ken Picard. But uh, he called the troops pay pork grease. And it was just not what the group said they were about. And it seemed to me like they wanted to close the base. And they were going to have an injunction to, in federal court to put a stop to all practices. They didn't really get that. But what they got was a, somewhat of an agreement from the Navy that until the EIS was done, the Navy would limit to what its practices at the outlying field to what was in the EA, what was in the environmental assessment, which was not adequate for all the squadrons to train at home. So sometimes they would have to fly to California and El Centro. As this court case has progressed, the court has encountered a couple problems and wants more information, but that's slowing down the practices that these naval aviators need to do to be prepared to land planes on aircraft carriers. As of December 15th, when we're recording this, they have found, you know, the, there's a lot of, you know, basically that they need, the Navy needs to study moving the practices to El Centro in the Southern California desert. There's a lot of concern among the people I talked to, some of whom are former naval aviators or naval engineers slash CBs that this could open the door to losing the other half of the base, which is Maritime Patrol, employs over 12,000 citizens. So the major job job creator, and especially once you count the military families, the major economic stimulus for Northwest Washington of Skagit, Whatcom and Island counties. I'm more concerned about, because I love airplanes and I, I and I have deep care and concern for, for the sailors is making sure to get the proper training close to home. Joe's focus on public transit and naval aviation or any of the other things that he cares about may not be an issue that touches you particularly. But I hope that Joe's experience shows just how 
innocuous these issues can be. Whatever you're interested in, you can probably learn something about through public records. Public records are your records, and they'll only stay that way if you get engaged with transparency. So here's one more plug for the Washington Coalition of Open Government and the National Freedom of Information Coalition. This kind of stuff matters, and it matters to more than just the policy nerds. I'm your host, Tana Markley. Thanks for listening to Revealed. Revealed.